the Blue Bloods are here to bring you guys more quality sports content for your Thursday. We start the episode off by discussing if the NCAA will actually expand the playoffs, and if so, how big should they go? And then we bring back our beloved snake draft format for deciding which current college football head coaches we would want for the next 10 years to lead our program. We then debate which team will end up being the biggest disappointment in the 2020 season. And we wrap up this episode with another recruiting update. And this time we highlight the red hot start for the Ohio State Buckeyes. We have a full show, so let's kick it off. First, we're going to start with the NCAA expanding the playoffs. Um, Brett McMurphy of the stadium let fans know about the results from a survey that 112 athletic directors from around the country responded to. In that poll, there was a question about whether they supported playoff expansion, and if so, how large should the playoffs be moving forward? The AD's overwhelmingly responded in favor of expansion in which 72% of them supported an 18 playoffs while another 8% favored a 16 team playoff. A big source of disagreement though came in the question for where these games should take place. 53% of them said that higher seeded teams should host at their home stadiums while the other 47% said neutral sites are preferred. So Brandon, what is your opinion on you know the results of this poll, and what do you think about the current playoff format? Should we expand? Where should the games be, and who should get into the playoffs? Yeah, so I don't know. In my opinion, I mean, I, I don't dislike the four-team playoff. Uh, I understand that it causes a lot of issues for a lot of schools that, you know, they're on that fringe. You know, maybe they're five or six, and, uh, you know, everything came down to that last week of football, you know, that the, that championship weekend or the conference championship weekend. Or maybe you dropped a game, you know, the beginning of the season, maybe a game you shouldn't have dropped. Uh, you end up being not included in the playoffs. I mean, it was a miracle that Oklahoma made it to the playoff this season after they lost to, you know, after they lost to K-State. So um, I, I don't know. You know, the 14 playoff never really bothered me. You know, I, I'm not one that's super outspoken about wanting to expand it, but I I would definitely be okay with an 18 playoff. Uh, I think that includes everybody. But the format that I would like to see, and I've mentioned it before, you know, I'd like to see the champions of the Power Five conferences, um, and then three at-large teams. Right? I mean, that, that's I think that's what everyone. I mean, that's that's the pretty much the consensus when it comes down to the 18 playoff argument. I guess there is an argument for the top eight teams in the country, uh, selected by the committee. Still, I you know you know my feelings about the committee. Not a big fan. Um, but a 16-team playoff, to me, uh, listen, I'm always for more football, or I'm usually for more football, but in this case, 16 teams, I, I mean, at some point, you have to just be like, okay, calm down. You know how many rounds of, of playoffs that is? Uh, that's so many teams. That's so many extra weeks for these players that, first of all, aren't being paid for what they're doing, so they're just putting in extra work for, I mean, some people would argue for nothing. I, I think that they get something out of it, but 
Uh, a lot of people would say, hey, you're, you're really putting your body at risk for nothing at this point. Uh, so, you know, from that perspective, I think 16 teams in a playoff would be a little bit ridiculous. Uh, I don't, I just don't see an argument where you can say the 16th best team in the country should make a post or should make a, should have the chance to make it to the championship. Yeah, I agree. 16 teams, ridiculous in my opinion. Uh, but I personally would like to see the playoffs expand. Um, and the reason is, I think you kind of highlighted it. I mean, what sport can you think of right now where if you finish fifth in the country or just in your league, you don't get a shot at the championship? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the NBA, the top eight teams in their respected divisions get a shot at the title. MLB, it's what the top six. I believe uh, I, I can't think of the top of my head what how the formatting is there, but um, and then the NFL they just expanded to seven teams from each you know conference. So I, th- I think I, I would like to see it expand because if you're a top let's say seven team in the country, uh, odds are you deserve a shot at the title and you have a good enough team. And it could have been one loss here, one bad game there. Like I, you can't tell me that Oregon this past season would could not have competed for a national championship. They had one bad, they had one really bad game against Arizona state and they lost to a good Auburn team in which they dominated the entire game outside of seven seconds. I I think that Oregon team really was one of the best teams in the country. I think Georgia was really good. They ran into a buzzsaw that was LSU, but I, I don't think you could hold anything against them. And, you know, they had one bad game against South Carolina, Personally, this might sound a little weird. Not many people s- believe this. I think a 12-team playoff is the number I would aim for. So you ask why 12? Um, well, I, I think oh, it we should know. be I, I think it should be similar to the NFL format where people get buys. I think the first four seeds should get buys to in, in the playoff. So that leaves the other seeds fighting to get to the second round. Um, and so this is, here's why I like it. It logistically, it makes sense for, in terms of who gets into the playoffs, you have room for automatic bids for all power five champions. I think if you expand the playoff, you have to include that rule. I think if you win your, if you win the PAC 12, the big 12, the big 10 ACC or SEC, you deserve a shot at the national championship, regardless of how you feel about the strength of those conferences we see, we've seen Clemson repeatedly come out of this so-called weak conference in the ACC, and they go on and compete for national titles. Um, I think another two seed, another two or three positions should be given to group of five schools. I, I say two. The top two group of five schools, which can be determined by who's the highest ranked team, should get a bid. I mean, a lot of people would say, well, what makes you think they can compete? Brandon, even as an LSU fan, even though they probably would have won, you have been a little bit nervous to play Memphis with that explosive offense in a playoff format. I mean, whatever. Go Tigers. I mean, yeah, go Tigers. They'd win, but like, it still would, you would still watch that game. I think it would still be a good game. I don't think, I don't think the. I watched watched LSU Utah State. I'd watch any game that has LSU. I mean, that's that's not a point. Fair enough. Um, and then I think you should leave five at-large bids, which go to the highest-ranked teams in the college football playoff rankings. Uh-huh. So this would allow every conference to be represented. 
this would give opportunities to multiple group of five schools to have that notoriety, to have the chance to make that extra money that can push that program forward. And, you know, no group of five team right now has a realistic shot of making the playoffs. Let's be honest here. Cincinnati, Memphis, Boise State, as good as they are, they're not getting into the final four. And I think we can all agree on that point. Um, and in terms of where these teams would play, I like the idea of the first three rounds, whether that be, uh, you know, I, I guess you would have to call it the the finals, the semifinals, the first round, whatever. I like these rounds being hosted by the higher seated team. And I think the only location that should be neutral is the championship game. And it should rotate similarly to how the championship does now rotate it between the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Peach Bowl, whatever, you know. I think that would be a good plan. And so this also allows more income for schools who make the playoffs and offers a small advantage for winning your conference and having a good season. The argument I hear about expansion is, well, now you're rewarding teams that didn't achieve as much as, you know, the top four seeds. Well, the top four seeds now get a buy and they get to, they get another home game. I mean, you don't think it's an advantage if LSU in the playoffs this year got another got another two home games in Death Valley and a bye week? Oh, yeah. That's a gigantic advantage. And what if a group of five school gets to host a team like Alabama at their stadium? Do you not think that's a small advantage for them? That's a big income for them too. I mean, that, that stadium is going to be sold out for that game. And, um, finally, so I don't, I don't know about you guys. A lot of these experts on ESPN, Fox sports, whatever, they keep saying that no matter how, far you expand it, there will always be an argument of we got left out, we got robbed, well, however you want to argue it. But I think the argument would be weaker at 12 teams because right, usually if you look at the rankings, that big divide between contenders and pretenders usually falls around the 11 to 15 range. And so putting it at 12, I think there's a bigger difference between the number 12 and 13 team than there is between the number four and number five team. And the argument that like, oh, we got screwed and left out. Well, if you're not a top 12 team, then that's on you, man. Like that's, that's not, that's not anyone's fault but yourself. But if you're the number five team in the country, you should get a shot. I mean, that's how I look at it. Yeah. So let's, let's transition a little bit uh, to a a segment within a segment. I'm going to go ahead and call this one Brandon's conspiracy corner. Um, so Zach, I have a few questions for you and I just want you to answer truthfully, uh, you know, to the best of your knowledge. Okay. All right, let's do it. All right. Who's your favorite team in, uh, college football In division one college football. Your favorite team is Auburn. Yeah. Auburn. Okay. Um, and who would you say your least favorite team is? I would have to say Alabama or Georgia. Yeah. Well, you, you, okay. Alabama, let's go with Alabama. That's the first one you said. All right, right, Zach. So if you want to, so you do want to expand the playoffs to twelve teams. (laughs) I know where you're going with this one. I already know where you're going with this one. So twelve teams is what you said, right? Yeah, twelve teams. Okay, not thirteen. You said there's a big, uh, big gap between twelve and thirteen, right? Yeah. Okay, so can I ask you off the top of your head? Do you remember who finished uh, (laughs) number twelve in the country last year, according to uh, before the playoffs? It, it was Auburn and Bama was thirteen. Bama was thirteen. Okay, so there's a okay, huge gap so hang on, wait, Auburn. Hang on, and you want to include no, 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 no. So you want to include the top twelve teams, is what I'm hearing. 
No, 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 no. So, I said, no, I said the, exact, no, hang on. No, Time out. No one Time cares. out. No one cares. No one cares. I, I, I could debunk this already. I said two automatic bids had to go to a gr- two group of five schools, which would automatically in this in this past season would have been Memphis and Boise State, which would have which would have replaced Auburn at twelve and whoever was at number eleven, which which was uh-huh. which is oh who was number eleven at Utah. this time. Utah? Utah. So Utah and Auburn would have been excluded because the two group of five schools would have got those bids. So Auburn wouldn't have been in it. Okay, Zach. I mean, uh, it's not really adding up to me. Uh, okay, it's all the listeners decide. As it, a matter of fact, actually, you know what? You know what, Zach? I say I'm gonna let the listeners decide, but I don't think we should let the listeners decide anything else from now on. They chose Bo Jackson as the greatest player of all time, and that's just unacceptable. All right. Unacceptable. So before we before we end this segment, let me make one more argument. I said the divide between 12 and 13 is clearer than four versus five. This past okay. season, Auburn beat Alabama. Clear divide. Georgia right. was five. Oklahoma was four. They didn't play, and they played very different opponents. So to tell who was better between Georgia and Oklahoma was harder than to tell who was better between Auburn and Bama because Auburn beat Alabama. Yeah, I, I mean, but so you have you have Alabama at full strength. You don't think that? But I mean, Alabama, it was already a Alabama wouldn't have been at full strength going into the playoffs. Tua was out for the season. I mean, so, but before we end this segment, I'm going to dedicate about two minutes to let Brandon put all our listeners in their place for how they voted on social media. So, Brandon, your clock starts now. Yeah. First of all, how dare you? We are are we kidding right now? Um, So, uh, you know, everyone's, well, I hope you saw the results of of the greatest college football player of all time. Uh, You disappointed me again. Uh, this is the second time in a row that, uh, and you know, honestly, it's just starting to show a trend. It's starting to show a trend that I cannot trust my listeners. I sit here twice a week and I try to teach you the best I can. Have you ever had a teacher who was so disappointed in your class for failing an exam? That's how I feel right now because I spend hours on end every single week preaching the gospel that is college football and telling you guys my arguments. And it it just doesn't get through to you. It's it's like I'm talking to a brick wall, which I mean, if you think about it, we're in quarantine. I'm sitting right here. I don't even see Zach. Zach's across the country doing whatever he's doing in Kansas. I'm sitting here in Louisiana, just staring at my laptop, just watching this timer tick on by because I know I only have two minutes. Um, but how in the world are you going to pick Bo Jackson over Herschel Walker for the greatest college football player of all time? Even if you're an Auburn fan, Zach's an Auburn fan. Zach's the biggest Auburn fan I've ever met. And he just sat on here and was talking about Herschel Walker. Just And and no one listened. Is that is that what I'm getting? Because, I mean, Bo Jackson won by what? One vote, Zach? Is that what we said? Yes, one vote. One vote. One vote. Who's the one vote? Who? I mean, someone pushed it over. And I just, I can't reach everybody, I, I guess, but. It is it is certainly disappointing to know that fans of our program would just blatantly disrespect me like this again. And that, I guess that's where <laughs> I drop the mic. Y'all really, really upset this man. Uh, he is upset at you guys. But we're going to move on. We're bringing back the infamous Blue Blood Snake Draft. Did I just claim the Snake Draft? I did. I really, really did. Brandon's got the 
omnibus music, I guess. I don't, uh, I don't know what I don't know what that was. That was, that was something crazy. <laughs> that, that was something wild. That but... was something else. Yeah. <laughs> in case you guys you didn't see, no, I, I don't know anything about that. But in case you guys missed, the Athletic released a draft where different writers—I think it was eight of them—selected which coach they would want to lead their hypothetical programs for the next ten years. So I thought. What a perfect time to bring this idea to the Blue Bloods and do it right here with you guys on the podcast so you guys can all debate this You know when this episode drops. But the Athletic did six rounds of this with eight people, so they went through like, what, 40, 48 coaches and included a bench pick. But we're going to do the first five rounds with just us and have an honorable mention round. Um, so, Brandon, here are the rules. The coach must be a current FBS head coach, so no recently retired coaches such as Urban Meyer, and no top assistants from around the country. They have to be a head, currently a head coach at a Power Five program, or not Power Five, just okay, an cool. FBS program. No D two coaches, no D three coaches. So, Brandon, I have a coin here. I'm gonna flip it. What do you call? I, I can trust you. Uh, tails, tails never fails. Okay, we gonna flip this coin. <laughs> This is an electric it, podcast, right? It now. is. It is tails. Yeah, I told you. Do, never do you fails. want the first pick? <laughs> um, yeah, I want the first pick. Are you kidding me? All right, go ahead. Oh man, for the next ten years, that's the key right here, Zach. Yes. Um, oh man, this is gonna kill me. I think. Um, oh boy. Oh man, it's gonna be bad because I sat here. I sit here almost every single episode and just I was gonna say I can't wait. And and a a loser and a and 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 whatever else. But uh, I'm going. I'm gonna go with Crybaby Dabo on my number one pick for the next ten years. Uh, I think Nick Saban's getting close to retirement. Um, While I do think he's still the best coach in college football right now, I. I don't know. I don't know how you don't pick Dabo if you're looking toward the future. Yeah, uh, he would have been my first pick. Uh, if I would have got, if you would have called heads and it would have landed on tails, Dabo would have been my first pick. I mean, guys, is this even really a debate here? I mean, for the next ten years, why would you not want the best head coach of college football right now? And he's uh, young or relatively young. I mean, he's, he's young. I mean, in terms of like coaching years, he's young. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the, uh, people forget how bad Clemson was. They've really sleep on like what Dabo Swinney has done with this program. Dabo, Zach, and you might know this, but if you had to guess how many games he's lost total since he's been a head coach, how many would you say? Oh, that's a, oh. Um, total ever since he started like, coaching. Like since he like oh not just even it like oh I would since say probably coaching in I was I would say twenty five he's lost thirty games thirty games that's total ridiculous that's, that's nuts right that's ridiculous holy oh, crap that's crazy yeah, but that's that's when he took over at Clemson Clemson wasn't great then I mean he's turned he's really turned it around no I'm kidding. Um, so I guess if I had to go with my second pick for the next 10 years, I'm going to have to go with Kirby smart. I think I'm going to take Kirby. Uh, I mean, I think he's been one of the best new coaches out in the game right now. I think the, what he's so Mark Rick always, 
had Georgia at nine wins. He just couldn't seem to get over the hump. Kirby Smart's been to the SEC championship every single year he's been a head coach. He won once, went to a national championship. I mean, he ran into a buzzsaw that was LSU and an Alabama team that couldn't lose behind Jalen Hurts. I mean, you can't fault him for that. So I'm going to take Kirby Smart for my first pick. And, I mean, why would you not want probably the best recruiter in the game right now? Yeah, that's true. I don't know, man. If he – if if he leaves well, Georgia this year to the SEC yeah. championship, you got to respect him. Four years in a row? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, especially this year since Dan Mullins and the SEC East, it's not like he's just playing nobody now. I mean, Florida's somebody now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you guys heard I picked Florida to make the playoffs as of right now, so that's how I feel. But I guess since we're doing snake style, my second round pick is going to be Lincoln Riley. Um, another young coach that has dominated. I mean, he's what he's made the playoffs every single year as a head coach. Yeah. I mean, he inherited a lot, but he, I'm not, don't take anything away from him. Don't, don't take that as I'm trashing him. I'm not. And, and he's had yes. a Heisman candidate every single year. Like Kyler Murray w- couldn't work at Texas A&M. So he comes to Oklahoma. What does he do? Win the Heisman first round pick. Baker Mayfield couldn't work anywhere. What does he do? Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, Heisman Trophy. Jalen Hurts got benched at Alabama. Comes to, c- comes to Oklahoma, finished second in the Heisman. I mean, and now he gets probably the most dynamic quarterbacks he's ever had in his career in Spencer Rattler. And I literally cannot wait to see what he does with this kid. And Oklahoma is going to be one of those teams that I'm really on the fence about about what they're going to do. But the reason I think they're going to be all right is because of Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lincoln Riley is and you want to talk about a young head coach, Lincoln Riley. I mean, just the poster boy right there. Right. Poster child. Yes. For, for young head coaches percent. in college football. Anyway. All right. I'll go ahead and continue. My second round pick, uh, it's, this is this might hurt me more than than my first pick hurt me. Um and and I don't no it's not. No, it's not. I, I can't I can't do this to myself. I can't do this to, to my fans. Um he'll be my third round pick. Okay, my second round pick, I'm going to have to go with uh uh uh, electric radio right now, guys. But I'll go with James Franklin. Uh, I like that pick. State. Yeah. I mean, we've seen what he's done with programs um, in the past. I mean, uh, and not necessarily that Penn State was a bad program when he got there. Uh, there was a lot going on when he got there, obviously. But um, I, I think that he is one of the best head coaches in college football today. And I think it would be hard to pick a lot of other coaches ahead of him uh, for the next 10 years. I mean, he's not, he's not a super old coach. Uh, You know, he's, he's not super young either, but uh, I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, You know, whether he stays at Penn state, builds a legacy there, or he, he ends up uh, somewhere else. I think that he, whatever team he, whatever team he ends up with, he will uh, be doing pretty big things with them. I mean, p- people so, forget people forget what he did at Vanderbilt before he went to Penn State. I mean, he had Vanderbilt competing in the SEC. Right. That's exactly. unheard of. That, right. Um, and with my next pick, oh, God, 
That's going to hurt bad. Um, I already know. Go ahead. You know Dan Mullen. I, I hope that's who Ooh. you knew. No, that's not who I, I thought. Knew, I knew knew. Oh, man. Dan Mullen. Um, took my pick from me. God. Well, yeah, that's. I'll be honest with you. That's why I picked him right now. I wanted to pick him with second round pick, but I had to pick him. I couldn't pick him that high. Uh, as an LSU fan, I couldn't. I couldn't do it to myself. So <laughs> I went with Dan Mullen, and this one hurts bad. But uh, it, it's just a guy. I mean, seemingly came. I'm not gonna say came out of nowhere, but kind of with Mississippi State a few years ago. At least I I'd never heard of him before he was there. Um, I mean, and, and now he was the doing. offensive I mean, coordinator for Florida with Tim Tebow. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's I mean, how many tr- like casual college football fans know? Okay, hey, ca- yeah, I got you, I got you. Yeah. How My many bad. casual college football fans are sitting around like, oh yeah, I can name the I can name the coordinators for every school in NCAA football? I, I, Nobody. I, I forgot that I was a psychopath. So just go ahead. Yeah, you you, you are. Uh, anyway, so Dan Mullen, uh, obviously, I mean has turned Mississippi state around, has gone into Florida, turned their program around. Um, and just seems like a coach that can really do it all. I mean, um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, uh, how good of a coach he really is. And I don't, I think he's a lot better than his record indicates. I mean, his overall records 80 or 79 and 49. Um, but I think he's a lot better than that. I mean, he was he went ten and three at Florida his first year. I mean, this past year, what he what, he ended up going uh, was it eleven and two, or yeah, yeah, yeah. eleven and two this past season. Um, you know, I, I see Florida trending upward as much as I hate to say that, but uh, I, you know, if 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 Coach Ed Orgeron wasn't at LSU, I wouldn't be mad to have Coach Dan Mullen in Baton Rouge. <laughs> yeah, Florida's beating LSU this year, guys. Book that. Um, yeah, we'll see. So for my third pick, oh, so this one's going to be out of nowhere. It might be too high, but I want him on my team, and that's P.J. Fleck. Okay. Um, in case you guys, the casual fans might not know who P.J. Fleck is, row the boat, baby. Um he coaching Minnesota right now. He had what Western Central Michigan on just a warp. No Western Michigan. Yeah, my bad. I've got all messed up, but Jeez. on a war path when he was there. And in case you guys missed Minnesota this year, they were really really good. Um, beat Penn State. Really gave a run against Wisconsin. Beat Auburn to death in the Outback Bowl. That was a seven point win, but. They beat Auburn over the top. Like it was ugly. Uh, it was horrible. One of the worst Auburn games I remember watching. And this team has a lot of talent coming back. PJ Fleck has this talent just to get his players to play harder for him than any other coach in the country. It seems like. And I think PJ Fleck is going to turn Minnesota into something special. And I think when he finally takes a job at a established program, I think it's going to be just a game changer for whoever is lucky enough to get him. And I really, really like PJ Fleck. And uh, I really, I think he probably would have been around later rounds, but I didn't know how Brandon was thinking. And I couldn't have my list without including this guy on it. Cause I would want him on my sidelines at all costs. Right. So uh, my fourth pick, man, this is getting harder and harder. Uh, Cause there's so yeah, many good choices. Um, oh, Okay. So I'm going to have to go with Mario Cristobal. There we go. 
Um, and in case you guys, yeah, in case you guys don't know, head coach of Oregon, he coached at Alabama under Saban for years. Um, and he's turning Oregon into something special. Yeah, he got uh, it, doesn't hurt to have Justin Herbert as your quarterback, but I'm telling you guys, uh, Tyler, I think it's Shauna Hay, I don't know how to exactly pronounce it, Tyler Shauna Hay, that kid's gonna be a monster, and he has CJ Verdell back. He's got that defense that just returns almost everyone. I mean, Caden Thibodeau is an absolute monster. That is the next Miles Garrett, Chase Young type player. He's going to go high in the draft when he finally leaves. That doesn't include his ability to recruit. I mean, me and Brady kind of highlighted it. I mean, I, what we both picked an Oregon defensive player and Noah Sewell and, um, Oh man, I forgot how to pronounce it. This is not good. This is horrible radio. <laughs> the two linebackers, awful. Justin, Justin Flo. I always want to say Flowy, but go. it's Flo. Both of those linebackers were on our list for like the most, expl- the I guess best recruits incoming into 2020. And Mario Cristobal is building a program up in Eugene, and I think adding him to my team of coaches here just makes it even stronger. And Mario Cristobal is a top 10 head coach in college football right now. Right. Okay. Um, I, I've waited long enough. Um, I've waited long enough. Everyone knew I was going to pick him. Uh, come on over, Ed Orgeron. Let's go. Coach O, I have to have him on my team. So with my number four pick, I got to go with Coach O. Uh, we, you, talked about, you talked about Kirby. Oh, shut up. You talked about Kirby Smart as a recruiter. Uh, let's talk about Coach O as a recruiter for a second. I mean, just busting into homes the week of the national championship. I mean, the day – I mean – couple days after the national championship, he's just sitting in players' living rooms recruiting. Um, I think that people want to go play for this guy. Yeah, obviously, like you said, with uh, with Mario Cristobal, it doesn't hurt to have a good quarterback on your team. It doesn't hurt to have good coaches underneath you. But I think that Coach O kind of attracts these type of coaches, these type of, uh, this type of staff. I mean, people want to co-coach for him. I mean, right now, uh, we see all kinds of people on the sideline. It's, it's people almost flock to him no matter. I mean, he's made relationships wherever he's at um, a lot from USC. And, and so that's why we see the type of people we see on the sideline for him right now. Um, I think that he can, he can bring a lot of talent to your program, uh, whether it be players, whether it be uh, staff, whatever. And so I'm going to go ahead and move on to my uh, fifth overall pick. I'm not going to spend too much time on Coach O. Uh, but with my last pick, and this was going to catch the entire world on fire. It's going to catch them by surprise. Um, it's a guy that I've talked about in the past. Uh, it's probably, I mean, it's been months now since I mentioned his name. Uh, but I'm going to have to go with Luke Fickle, uh, from Cincinnati. I had it typed in too. Yeah. I, I called yeah. it. I wrote that in as soon as you started talking. You thought I was going to go. Okay. I'm glad you know me that well. Um, yeah, Luke Fickle, uh, he's a 46 year old head coach at Cincinnati. He's been the interim head coach at Ohio state before. Um, and he has a bright future ahead of him, and he has a long history coaching. He's been coaching college football since 1999 uh, as a grad assistant. He's moved on uh, to coach a lot of defensive positions, uh, namely defensive line, linebackers. Um, he spent a ton of time at Ohio State between 2002 uh, and 2016 before he took his first head coaching job uh, at Cincinnati. And honestly, I thought this was a guy that may come up in the conversation uh, for USC. He may come up in the conversation, conversation for Ohio State in the future. Um, he 
is a very talented head coach, and I think that he has a bright future ahead of him. I mean, 46 years old, and he already has, what, 21 years of coaching ex- or 20 years of coaching experience under his belt? Yeah. Uh, I, I Yeah. Yep. It's, he's good. He's a it, good coach. Yeah, I, really he would have been my he's pick. He would have been my too. pick. I mean, right. you guys have seen what he's doing at Cincinnati, right? I mean, Cincinnati was ranked all last year, and they're projected to win the AAC this year. Let's not forget how good this guy is. I mean, he's straight out of the Ohio State coaching tree, too. I mean, Luke Fickle is really, really good, guys. Um, but speaking of Ohio State, my last pick is going to be Ryan Day. Um, okay. We're getting into him later in the show and how well he's doing on the recruiting trail. But, I mean, yeah, one-year coach, like head coaching experience. But to make the playoffs and almost beat Clemson, pretty good sample size there. Uh, I like the result. And – He's building a program up in Columbus, and I really, really like what he's doing. I think he has a vision. I think he's personable. I think he has the energy, the creativeness, the mind to really be successful moving forward. And for me, I think the narrative of he's doing it with uh, Urban Myers players is ending this next season. I think Ryan Day is about to make a name for himself, and Ryan Day is going to have Ohio State in the national championship race this season again and for the foreseeable future as we'll get into in our last segment today. So I'm going to round out my starting lineup with Ryan Day. And ah, so honorable mention. Uh, You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going Nick Saban. Yeah, Uh, I can't believe neither one of us mentioned him. And like I said, the first the first thing I said was that uh, for the next ten years you want to have this head coach, and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Nick Saban, he who knows where he's going to be in ten years. He might not be coaching at all. Yeah, you know, he's sixty eight years old. I'm taking the chance. I think he loves coaching. I think you know, even if I get get another five to six years of prime Nick Saban, I'm taking it. So. I think you know he might not be in my starting lineup because all these other coaches are young, fresh, you know, going to be around for at least probably 20 years. And Nick Saban will not be here for 20 years. He might not be here for 10, but I'm willing to bet on the success he's going to bring me early. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely get what you're saying there. Um, honorable mentions. This is this is this is tough. Um, uh, maybe like David Shaw from Stanford. I mean, have we seen what he's been doing there? You know what his overall uh, coaching record is, Zach? 82 and 26. That's pretty good, right? But they've been on the downswing, man. Stanford's been trending very, very quickly down recently. You, mean, you don't think he's a good head coach? I think he's all right. I don't think he's, I don't think he's, he's mentioned right. right now. All right, Jim, Jim Harbaugh. Hell no. Are you we're serious? Taking the chance. We're taking the chance. No. You're taking the chance of what? To lose to Ohio not. State every single year? Lose to Penn know. State over half the time? Lose to Michigan State half the time? Never win a bowl game? You you hate this guy, huh? <laughs> he is really garbage. He is so garbage. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, I see. I thought you were going to do like Dave Aranda, Mark Stoops, Mike Gundy. Like someone like that. Jimbo Fisher. I like Jimbo Fisher. I, that's honor. That's a great honorable mention. Yeah, right, I'm just trying to make you happy now. Let's, let's, yeah. this is <laughs> so who's who's like your actual pick? <laughs> I don't 
don't know. I mean, I just, I'm tossing names out. I don't need I don't need an actual honorable mention. We already choose, we already chose five head coaches. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But yeah. guys, we'll get this on social media. Give us your opinion. Who would your five coaches be for the next ten years? Uh, but right now, we are going to move to our next segment. Talk previewing the 2020, 2020 season. Uh, there's always teams with high expectations coming into each season who fall short of these lofty goals that the fans, media, coaches around the country set for the team. You look at teams last year like Michigan and Texas who had top 10 rankings in the preseason but ultimately fell far short of those rankings by the end. We're in the month of April, about six months till the first kick of the season, hopefully. Um, you know, it's perfect time to look way too far ahead again. We already gave our dark horses uh, for next season. And why not go ahead and look at who could be the next major disappointment in college football? Brandon, looking ahead, which team has the country experts, whoever fooled and will ultimately fail to live up to these lofty preseason expectations that people are giving them? Uh, it's tough because... You know, you say who has the country fooled. I mean, I know we have like the way too early, you know, rankings right now, but we don't really have like a true, hey, here's the team. So my my choice here was a it was a difficult one, and it's one that I don't wish on this team, but I could definitely see it happening. Um, I'm gonna go with Baylor. Uh, Baylor's the team. You know, they they just came off of uh, what's it called? I mean, what what was the record last season? They finished. Uh, well, I think they that, only lost to Oklahoma lost, those two games. Yeah, and then they lost to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, but I mean, what a crazy run for them. I mean, a team that no one expected doing that. You know, they had Coach one Matt win like two years ago. That's what I'm saying. And so, uh, it, you know, it, it's obviously a team that people are pretty high on right now. Uh, you know, even with Matt Rule gone, they just hired maybe one of the best defensive minds in college football in Dave Aranda. Um, to replace him, but you know, and I and I've been on this tangent before. I, you know, we just we haven't seen Dave Aranda, the head coach. We don't know how he's going to react in this situation. We don't know. Uh, I, I mean, we we know how good of a leader he can be. Uh, obviously, he's. I mean, he's had the opportunity to show that. You know, wherever he's been, you know, with LSU, with Wisconsin, with uh, uh I, I think he was with Hawaii before that. I, you know, I can't remember. Anyway, but um. But a head coaching role is a lot different than a coordinator role. Um, and so while I would like to think that Baylor could, I mean, just stay where they're at, you know, maybe even trend upward in this Big 12 conference, which may not be like the hardest thing in the world to do. Um, I guess getting past Oklahoma is probably the hardest thing in this conference. But uh, I just, I, I don't know. For some reason, it there's just something telling me that this Baylor team is going to fall off. and. I don't think they revert all the way back to how they were a few years ago going, you know, winning one game, but I can definitely see this team finishing like, uh, like, like seven and six uh, or, or like seven and five, maybe seven and six with a bowl game win. Yeah. I, I like that pick. I, I think that Dave Aranda is going to have to find his rhythm, man. I mean, Matt rule did big things for that program. And I think it's going to be hard to replicate it with Dave Aranda. I think they're too, Totally different coaching styles. I like that pick. But I'm going to go to Athens with my pick. I'm going to pick the Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, okay. Uh, I, ESPN has them ranked fourth. I think 
this team lost a lot, a lot of talent. I think they lost all but one offensive starter, I believe, maybe two, depending on how you look at who started for their O line for the majority of the season due to injuries. But really, George Pickens is the only starter from last season, in my opinion. And they lost a lot of offense. They lost a lot of talent just in general to the NFL draft and transfer portal. They have a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin. And I think he has his work cut out for him. I mean, he has talent, but he has a lot of inexperience. And especially in a season where spring practice is cut is, is eliminated, summer workouts are going to be cut short, fall practice might, most likely will be cut short. I mean, to come in and have almost a whole new starting lineup and you miss so many practices does not bode well for inexperienced young teams like Georgia. The defense should be stout again, but... Can the Bulldogs score enough? You saw against South Carolina and LSU last season that they could not score enough to stay in these games. Um, and then the schedule, extremely difficult for Georgia. They have a trip to Tuscaloosa against Alabama in week three. That that means this team has to click immediately in the season. And to add on top of that, you have the reigning ACC Coastal Champion, Virginia, coming to Atlanta for a week one showdown. So that's two games in the first two, three weeks where Georgia's got to be on their A game. They don't have time to mesh and learn and make those early mistakes. They're going to have to come out and play good football to, you know, be undefeated. And then you have the Auburn game moving up into October, which even further accelerates the development of these younger players. And in that same month, you have to go play Florida in your most important rivalry game. And then you throw in, road sneaky you know under the radar road trips to kentucky and south carolina both of which are on the upswing especially with kentucky getting joey gatewood in at quarterback and then you have south carolina who was really catching their rhythm late in the season last year um i see this georgia team slipping up a lot along the way and they're gonna be they're gonna underperform in smarts you know next season and as much as i like Kirby smart i picked him as you know my number one coach in this last segment i think when you just have the cards and everything fall like they did this year for Georgia, I think it's going to bode, you know, really poorly for the Georgia Bulldogs. And if spring practice didn't get canceled and fall practice and everything was not in doubt, I don't think I would put Georgia on this list, but I think everything fell incorrectly for this team. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, there's been a ton of off the field issues there too. Uh, Players transferring because their dad's fingers got caught in chairs. Got that, cut, that's got, caught, got cut off in chairs. I mean, come yeah. on, man. I mean, how how bad do you think they wish they had Justin Fields still? Oh man, <laughs> it's what a. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe that maybe that uh, one player shouldn't have said what he said to Justin Fields. Zach thinks it's fake, but yeah, who knows? no, I don't think it's fake. I just I, I think that. I don't know if oh, you know, man. You, you seem, I you seem not like a real fake. Georgia truther out here. You sound like a real Georgia truther. <laughs> yeah. And the bad part is, is like I a heard. baseball player, too. Like, are you serious? I, you're seriously going to put it past the University of Georgia to. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, bro, I, that baseball player got to lose a scholarship, man. You just lost a potential Hosman Trophy winner because, like, you couldn't keep your mouth shut. Like him and that baseball player, Mike Leach, need to go to the same class and learn how, when to like not talk. Um, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta learn some uh, some tolerance. Go to a tolerance yeah, class. No kidding. I mean, uh, shout out to the Mississippi State athletic director for coming coming for Leach's head this week. But um, you know, Brandon, would you like to hear an honorable mention in this segment? 
Zach, you always have an honorable mention, so just go ahead. I do. And it's the LSU Tigers down in Baton Rouge. Yes. Uh, I don't, you know what? I take it back. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we, we've all heard this before, Zach. This isn't news. I know. I know. I just wanted to mess with you because, like, I, they have LSU ranked eighth in the way too early. Like, eighth? You think that is the eighth best team in the country? Maybe. Uh, probably nah, not, bro. Maybe. Nah. I don't even know if they're a top 20, but. That's it's ridiculous now. No, it's not. How is it ridiculous? You know, like. I just I, you lose the best the second best defense coordinator of the country, probably the best offensive mind in the country in Joe Brady, the best quarterback. You lose nine underclassmen, multiple seniors, and you're just like, we, oh, Zach, Derek, we, Derek Stingley's going to save us. We've done this before. We've no, I'm not going to go through this again. I'm not going to. This is ridiculous. I'm gonna put up a vote on social media. Let's, where is LSU? They can't be trusted, year? Zach. They can't be trusted. Why would we put up a vote? <laughs> you already trashed them. They're just gonna be like LSU. Cancel the program. Done. Cancel um, it, yeah. <laughs> Coach O would be like, listen, I will send y'all all crawfish. Please leave us alone. We are cool down yeah, here. Oh my god. But so we'll move on to our last segment of this episode, and. You know, the 2021 recruiting cycle is going to be probably the most unique and unpredictable recruiting cycles in in history. Uh, you know, the, due to the COVID-19 outbreak, it's going to change the way this cycle operates, when commits can visit, which in turn will affect, will affect when they commit. Uh, one school is not having any problem on the recruiting trail, though, and that is the Ohio State Buckeyes and Ryan Day. Um, you know... The Buckeyes had the most commits in the 2021 recruiting cycle with 15. But out of those 15, three of them are five stars, which includes the number three player in the country in Jack Sawyer. The class is by far the deepest in the country with 10 four-star recruits, and all 15 players are within the top 500 of the 247 composite rankings. So, Brandon, one, what are your initial thoughts on this class Two, why do you think Ohio State is making such a strong run early in this class? And with all the experts questioning how Ryan Day can continue the success in Columbus after Urban Meyer, does this class show that he has a handle on this? Uh, yes, because, you know, you mentioned that all 15 of these hard recruits uh, or hard commits for uh, uh, for Ohio State right now are in the top 500. I mean, let's talk about how the top how their top 10 recruits are in the top 100. I mean, the, their number 10 recruit right now is number 93 overall. He's a four-star. It's it's insanity out here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, three five-stars at this point in the recruiting cycle is ridiculous. You know, obviously, they've got Zach, uh, Jack Sawyer. But not only that, they have Kyle McCord, who is a guy that I've had my eye on Um uh, for for a little while now. I mean, he's been committed for or for almost a full year now. You know, they're getting a few new recruit or a few new commits. Uh, uh, Trayvon or Trayvon Henderson uh, out of out of Hopewell, Virginia. He's a running back, five star running back, um, committed back in March. I mean, you know, just about a week ago. Um, but other than that, I mean, I mean, he's just reeling in these recruits. He has another recruit in. Uh, um, that committed on March 15th of this year. He has one that committed on March 16th. It's just to see these recruits coming in at this time is insane. I just don't, I don't know how you do it. I mean, are you on the phone? Are you just like FaceTiming these kids or what's going on? I mean, do you know? 
I mean, so personally, I think it's the relationships that he's built with these kids. They don't need to come to campus anymore. They don't need to meet with these coaches. They know what the deal is. They, they've built that. They've, I think they've laid the groundwork where this COVID-19 isn't affecting their class as much as some other schools. Like we highlighted Alabama with one recruit a few weeks ago, they still only have one recruit, Brandon, and they just lost a recruit tonight. And Micah Morris, a top 100 offensive tackle, they lost him to Georgia. So other classes are struggling. And, you know, this class is on pace to rival some of the best classes in recruiting history. I mean, we've already highlighted what they have, but the big thing is the positions they're getting. Last year, they had, what, three of the top six wide receivers in the previous recruiting class. But in this class, they have an elite pass rusher in Jack Sawyer, the number three player in the country. They, Brandon already highlighted the elite playmaking running back, Tra- Travion Henderson. And then they also have an elite strong-arm top 20 player quarterback in Kyle McCord. It's loaded. It's it's deep in its potential. And like it can only get better. Tonight, a five-star cornerback, I forget his name. There's so many of these recruits. But a five-star cornerback listed Ohio State as his leading school and dropped his top five tonight. So Ohio State's in the running for another five-star cornerback. I mean, and yeah, for me, just, I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, I was. it's just, it's crazy. I mean, the the big one, I mean, obviously, is, is Jack Sawyer. And if you haven't seen this guy's tape, go watch it. Um, I mean, and, and you know the kind of players that come out of Ohio State, the kind of recruits that go into Ohio State. Jack Sawyer is the third highest ranked player to ever go into Ohio State. Think about that. I mean, he, he's he's higher than Nick Bosa was coming out of high school. So, uh, it listen, this guy has real potential to be just a complete game changer for this program. And I mean, they're just and he's not the he's not. I mean, he is the best player they have this this uh, recruiting cycle so far. But this recruiting cycle has you know another year to go. So yeah. it, I don't know. It's it, uh, and- it, it is crazy to me. And- Jack Sawyer might be the highest rated, but Travion Henderson, in my opinion, is going to be the best player in this class currently of what what they have. I mean, turn on the tape, like Brandon said, Henderson, every time he touches the ball, it could be a touchdown. I mean, I don't see a weakness in this kid's game right now. I mean, this kid is elite, guys. And I mean, for me, why is this happening? I think it's relationships, like I told Brandon. And but I also think it's the vision. I think it's the vision of Ryan Day. So the problem here is people kept saying, oh, he's winning because of Urban Meyer's talent. Can he handle it? Can he step in with a legend? But the reality seems to me now is it's now becoming that Ryan Day was Meyer's top assistant for years. And I think he, I think Meyer groomed him to be successful. He wasn't that, Oh, we're just going to throw this. Uh, you don't think because Urban Meyer is still in a administrative role for the athletic department. You, you don't think Meyer was like, "Hey, this is the this is the guy you need." Ryan Day is going to step in. Oh, yeah. Urban Meyer told Ohio State this is who they should hire. I think Urban Meyer knew this guy's potential. I think it's very similar to Kirby Smart Nick Saban. 
You saw as soon as Kirby Smart left Nick Saban's shadow, he's doing huge things in Georgia and I, at Georgia. And I see the same thing here with Ryan Day. I think he's young, creative, relatable, and he knows he encompasses the Ohio State brand, in my opinion. I mean, give, given the brand doesn't need a lot of selling, guys. Ohio State's one of the most recognizable schools in the country, but when you also on top of that have a great salesman and a relatable coach and one that players like to play for and the one that can relate to recruits that only makes it so much more dangerous for a program like this. And, you know, another thing, Brandon, I think people forget is how talent rich the state of Ohio is in high school football. People get caught up. People get caught up in the Florida's, the Georgia's, the Texas, the California's Ohio is, has turned out some talent. Uh, Mr. Joe Burrow is from Athens, Ohio. Uh, oh, people yeah. seem to forget that. Uh, Jack Sawyer, we highlighted him, five-star defensive end from Ohio. Jaden Ballard, four-star wide receiver out of Ohio. Reek Carrico, four-star inside linebacker out of Ohio. Mike Hall, four-star defensive tackle out of Ohio. All five of these players are in this recruiting class. They're all top 100 players in the 247 composite. Ohio State has locked down the state, guys. If there's a top 100 player from Ohio, he is going to be donning that scarlet and gray when he gets to college. Ohio State has mastered this, and people just keep forgetting how talented the state is. I mean, I just listed five top 100 players, and those are just the ones that are committed right now to Ohio State. And that's not even including that Travion Henderson is from what? What would you say, Virginia? Yeah. Hopefully so they, they they can reach to Virginia. They had a recruit in this class out of Colorado. They 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 have the nationwide reach of a national brand, but they also focused on locking down the state. And I think the thing that helps this is there's really not another major program in the state. Uh, you have Cincinnati. Eh, it is what it is. Not even Power Five. Alabama has Auburn. Georgia has Georgia Tech. Clemson has South Carolina. Um, Florida has Miami. You uh, my, has Miami and Florida State. Um, the only other state you kind of see this with is LSU, who really don't have another power. But LSU, but Louisiana is not a talent rich, is not as a talent rich state as I think Ohio, Georgia, et cetera. So the fact that they're in this talent loaded state and they're by themselves on a lot of these recruits, I think that's why you see this class growing. And finally, the last thing, Brandon, I'm sure you can totally agree with this. Their domination of the Big Ten can only help here, right? I mean, they oh, have yeah. owned this conference for how long? I would say upwards of almost what ten years now. Uh, maybe ten. It's it's for sure been been six. Yeah, it, it, it easily six. I mean, they won the championship in 2015, guys. This is at least five years, and um, I don't. I I make this argument with Jim Harbaugh all the time. He still hasn't beat Ohio State. I mean, Brandon, when's the last – can you name the last time Ohio, Michigan beat Ohio State? I, off the top of my head, absolutely not. You want to know why? <laughs> so just, just think, why? Just think. If, you, if, you, if, if you had to guess, when's the last time Michigan won? Uh, 2013. No. 2011. 2012. No, I was going to get in there soon, sooner or later. I would hope so. Like you just have to go <laughs> backwards. Go back like twenty eleven, they beat Ohio State by seven. Oh my gosh! Every yeah, single yeah. year, and then okay, so going past two thousand eleven, the last time they beat Ohio State was two thousand three. 
Yeah, that's going to be a big yikes for me. That's tough. That's going to be a huge yikes. I mean, come on, man. I mean, Michigan has only beaten Ohio State three times since 2000. Holy cow. Yeah, that, I mean. No, people it, overlook it, that. They really do be like that. Really I mean, like if that. I would have told you that before this episode, you probably would have been like, dude, stop. Just stop. You're lying. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it doesn't even sound real because people forget Ohio State was in the championship in, what, 2007 against Florida or six? Yes. I mean, and, and they – In 2007 against LSU. Yeah, yeah, and they won it in 15. Plus, they were in the playoffs in 16 when they lost to Clemson. And they won the national championship in 2002 against Miami. So – this Ohio State's really, really good, guys. And the other thing is Michigan, to me, on the downswing. Jim Harbaugh's losing that luster. He's not as an elite recruiter as I've highlighted on this show. Go check the tapes, guys. He is not an elite recruiter. There's no data to support that, so stop that narrative. Um, Wisconsin's really good, but Wisconsin's not an elite recruiting school. I mean, how if I was a kid being recruited, why am I going to Wisconsin unless I'm a running back? Maybe. Or an offensive lineman. Why are you going to Wisconsin? No one wants to go to Wisconsin. And the only other two schools that are on the upswing are Penn State and Minnesota. Penn State's really, really good. And I think uh, I think they're the only team that's really going to compete going down the line. And P.J. Flex is building something in Minnesota. But who wants to go play in Minnesota? Yeah, oh, Minneapolis is fun. a cool town. But like I've been to Minneapolis. It's, it's a really, really nice place. So I mean, I, oh, it's better sick. than Wisconsin. Super cool brag. I, I hate, I hate it though. I, the reason I went there, it was not my favorite place anymore. I will never go back to Minneapolis ever again. But that's yeah, another you, story. You ever been? You ever, you ever been to Virginia? Nah, oh. I've not been to Virginia. Oh, that's tough. Oh, that's tough, though, Zach. You don't, you don't even get it. That's fine. Let's move I on. I do. I do. I, I just, I, I really, we can't, you know, social distances, guys. I, we, we can fight about it, but we're all the way across the country. But I mean, PJ Flex doing his thing, but I, I don't think, I mean, Penn State has this brand, I guess, but I don't think there's a bigger brand in the Big Ten than Ohio State. Uh, with the right. horseshoe and just everything he's doing, I think Ryan Day is so underrated right now. I had my doubts last season. Y'all can check. I did going into the season. I'm like, can this dude do it without, you know, Urban Myers recruits? But looking at his recruiting class, what he did with the team he had this year with Justin Fields and putting that, putting him in great situations and developing those players like he did this season. I, I think Ryan Day is for real. And I think this recruiting class only adds to his mystique and his credibility. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, guys, I, I do want to mention this. Um, I know that I talked about watching Jack Sawyer's tape. Go do it, please. Uh, I've been watching for the better part of six minutes now, just while Zach's been going on about whatever Ranty. he's been going on about. Uh, yeah, I've been watching for six minutes. This guy plays defensive end, wide receiver, quarterback. It's it may be the most it, it may be the most uh, impressive thing I've ever seen. It's crazy. I mean, he, he's a beast, guys. Uh, I've watched the tape of him and Travion Henderson, just outstanding recruits. I mean, I know not everyone's a psychopath and watches and pays attention to recruiting like I do, but if you have 15 minutes, go check out his huddle film. Find it on YouTube. I mean, find it on 247 Sports, wherever you want to do. But we're going to wrap this episode up now, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in again. Uh, keep bringing y'all two episodes a week. No content. And personally, okay, Brandon, I'm going to talk a little bit. 
Um, we are the only podcast out here bringing y'all real content two times a week with no sports content. Um, shout out to you guys for tuning in for that. Uh, let us know if y'all, what y'all want to hear, anything else. Keep voting. Tomorrow, the bracket for the best head coaches in college football history starts tomorrow. Voting on Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods. Vote on Facebook at the Blue Bloods pod. And finally, vote on Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods. Uh, links, polls, everything will be on there. Instagram will be on our story. It'll just be on our Twitter page. And there will be a link on our Facebook page for that. Um and if you can't find it, just comment on the picture we post of it and let us know who you vote for. We will count it like that. Um, yeah, don't piss Brandon off again. So uh, I'll let Brandon decide who he wants to win. That way uh, you guys can not let him down again. Yeah, no no more chances. This is the last one. <laughs> if, you, if you don't do it right this time, you don't, you don't get the fourth bracket. That's true. You only get three brackets. But uh, website – thebluebloodspod.com you can find all the links of the podcast on there articles like our mock draft preview for the conferences for this next season uh you find us literally everywhere i think what apple podcast google podcast spotify we have a youtube page just type in the blue bloods all our videos are on there uh let us know what y'all think rate the podcast you can rate it on apple podcast i think is really the only place that ratings show up it's weird uh Like I said, follow us on social media, but for right now, we out.